The Chabad Pulse podcast discusses serious issues and interviews guests in a free-form, open manner, occasionally touching on adult topics that may be unsuitable for children's ears. Are grades shows a positive development for our community? Are young men ready for marriage? And is it time to start educating children about love and relationships, according to Torah and Halacha, before the secular culture gets there first? We discuss all this and more on this episode of the Chabad Pulse podcast featuring Rabbi Mandy Hershkop. Let's get the show on the road. Hi there. This is episode three of the Chabad Pulse podcast. I am your host, Sean Nemenov, and we are so glad that you've decided to join us again. You may have noticed that the intro music has changed uh, for the podcast. That's due to your feedback. A lot of you had comments about the music. They said it was too long. um, And uh, so we responded because that's what this podcast is about, responding to feedback, being part of a conversation. So we fixed it. And I hope you like this one. I think I like it a lot. Uh, You also may have noticed that we're late again with the podcast. Um, Again, (laughs) it's a learning process. Uh, Running a podcast is technically demanding. Or maybe it's just for me. Maybe, maybe I'm just not that good at it. Um, but we are learning. We're growing. And, uh, you know, like I said, the gap, the gap, we, we, <laughs> we, we cut the gap in half. So that's progress. And hopefully by the next time around, we'll be exactly on schedule. And we'll, you know, keep that going. Here's also where I would have played uh, the voice notes that I solicited, asked for last week. Um, unfortunately, uh, my mistake, I neglected to clarify exactly how long we needed those voice notes to be. Um, and because of that, a lot of the response, the voice notes we got were, uh, were too long. Um, they were thoughtful, they were passionate, they were interesting and insightful, but they were too long. We'll be clear this time. Um, we need something a little shorter, 30, 40 seconds, maybe max a minute. And we'd really love to have you be part of the conversation. So if you have something to say, please say it and uh, send it to us at chabotpulse at gmail.com. Um, today's guest is Rabbi Mendy Hershkup. He's a man who wears many hats, but for the purposes of our discussion today, we're going to focus on his roles as a rabbi of one of the many new grade shoals that populate our communities. And uh, he's also a teacher of chassan classes. And full disclosure, Rabbi Hershkup is the rabbi of my own grade shoal, and he's the person I consider to be my personal rav. Uh, let's jump in. So let's jump right in. You are a rabbi in a grade shoal. For those unfamiliar with the concept, a grade shoal is... Um, a shul put together by a group of friends, um, usually from the same age, usually from the same grade, um, who found the who found the shul, so that they can daven together and do you know other things together, have classes, have shiur and fabrengans. It's uh, I'm part of one. Many many people today are part of one, and you Rabbi Hershkup are the rabbi of one. So, um, our first question to you is. What are some of the things that you're seeing as the rabbi of a great show? What are some of the positives, some of the negatives? In general, do you think that this is a positive development for our community? I certainly think it's a positive development for our community. Um, it, brings, it brings people together. Um, just, we'll start with the, with the few positives. There's a lot more people that are learning Tyra, that are attending Shiurim, that are involved and invested in a show, which is in, in and of itself a holy thing, a, a, a Kedusha Dika thing which otherwise they would have no involvement. There is a 
a large group of, of young men in our community that uh, have no interest for one reason or another going to 770 or some of the mainstay establishments in our, in our community. However, they feel a lot more comfortable in going to their grade show, their class show, and uh, they can express themselves. They, they, and, and some of these people actually are hosting shiurim in their homes or sponsoring them and, and are involved in, in the shul in one way, shape, or another, which in, in, other, words, they would n- in other ways they would never be involved in a shul. Um, and, in cert- and every shul has its uniqueness. I can only speak for our shul, but you, you take our, our shul is a, is, a, is a wonderful place, a, a large collection of guys. Everybody's different, like the Gemara says, just like people don't look the same, they don't think the same. So you have, we have a tremendous amount, of, the, the diversity in the shul is very, very good. And, but for example, we don't speak during Kriya Satara, we try not to, and, and that's a phenomenal thing in our show. It's a source that's of pride. It, it's a source of pride for, for myself and the entire show. And um, for example, our show and many shows in the neighborhood have a gmach, which um, our shows, it's called the Helping Hand, the Helping Hand Foundation, which before Yamim Taivim, checks are given in a, uh, in a very uh, quiet and discreet manner to those that need it, and, uh, and, and it's a decent amount of money, and it really helps. So that's a, 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 pretty, a, pretty, uh, a pretty strong defense of the concept of the Great Shul. Correct. A pretty strong one. Uh, you know, as, as a member of the Great Shul, in full disclosure, Rabbi Hershkep is actually the rabbi of my Great Shul. Um, I, I tend to agree with this, but people have complaints about it. They say things like, oh, a shul has to have multiple generations in it. People have to dive in with their fathers and their grandfathers, and and have to be little children there. That, that's and, and you're not getting the full experience if you don't if you're not if, if you're not diving in that kind of shul. Is Correct. that something that you agree with or I disagree with? Because at the end of the day, your average twenty-something-year-old guy doesn't want to go to these shows. He, many of them, not all of them, but many of them feel disenfranchised. Number one, you know, they say a story. I heard the story about the Shagasari. I heard the story about Rabbianis and Ipschitz, and I heard the story about the, the Magad of Mizrich. I don't know which one it happened to. Was it all three? <laughs> but it certainly did happen. And uh, apparently, when they were children, there was a, bit, a large fire at the, in the home, and it consumed the home. And he uh, he saw his father crying after the fire, and the, the, their parents were all spiritual people, not necessarily very material. And uh, he asked his father, what, what, "Why is he crying? Is it just the physical home that burns?" So his father said, "No, they had a ksavichus." The Yichus um, uh, would mean the genealogy, all the way up to family, Dov- tree. family tree, all the way up to David Amalekh. And now that got consumed by the fire, and for that he cried. And that, you know, that ate him up. So um, e- either Rabbi Yenison or the Shagasari or the Magad of Mizrich, <laughs> which was, you know, very three different uh, perspectives. I mean, the, the Magad and Rabbi Yenison are slightly close, but the Shagasari and the Magad probably very two different paths. But uh, he said, don't cry, it'll all start for me. I'll start it again, and, and we'll have, you know, we'll, we'll restore glory, and we'll bring back greatness. At the end of the day is, yes, we, a lot of the people in these shuls are married and starting families, and God willing, those that are not will be married soon, and they will also start families. So within a couple of years, you're going to have that next generation. You're going to have the birds chirping and the kids running around and making a mess. And even in our shul, which we only have a few of them, but we still, you know, get a That's few true. kids here and there, That's and true. it's just a matter of time, and we're going to have that. That's not an excuse not to, uh, you know, give people the opportunity to express themselves, and many of them are doing it in a positive, positive and holy way as well, by attending shiurim, by, you know, you have certain people in the show that if you look at them in the street, you would think that they're all very chilled, but, you know, they're, they're adhering to chitas and, and things like that, or they specifically don't talk during davening. And you believe so, that, that's, that's a, that because they're part of a show, they feel more connected to a community in general? Correct. Okay, that's... That's definitely something that you know that I would tend to agree with myself. 
my own experiences in this issue, you know, in this matter are, you know, I, I don't know if they're typical, but I think they're pretty, they're pretty, there's a lot of it. When I was uh, 21, 22, 23, I did not like going to show. I didn't want to go to show. My, what my, was the reason? My, my options were, you know, 770 or uh, uh, old little Stiebel that my, fa- that my father used to go to. That's, and neither of them was very appealing to me. I mean, they're still not. And then comes a great show, and I had somewhere to go. So that that obviously, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to that experience. However, and and I don't know if you know, I'm sorry for I guess repeating the question in a different way. There is the concept of a community show, where people of different life, of different of of different experiences, different age levels, they get together and they and they share with each other, and and that's part of being a larger community as well. Because you, you don't end up only focusing on the concerns and the issues of one group of friends, one group of one age group or whatever. You're, you're, it's a whole community. It's a slice of the entire community. And, and is there, do you think there's any concern of people being cut off in the larger community by, by forming their own little communities in the Great Shoals? I don't think so. And uh, allow me to explain. I think that the, the Great Shoals, each one being its own community, is not divisive, it actually unites us, it brings us together, and it makes Crown Heights a better community. Unfortunately, as we all know, Crown Heights is, there is no one Crown Heights, there's no one community, there is no one authority that everybody looks up to and respects and will adhere to, Unfortunately, true. besides for their ever, okay? And then everybody has their different interpretations, so that, that goes out the window as well. However... When it comes to large communal events, like for the Lagbaima Parade or when they block off Eastern Parkway and they get the whole community together, look at the bottom of that sign. Who's it sponsored by? Every single show in Crown Heights. Or most of the, most of the great shows or these type of shows in Crown Heights. Involved. So uh, very much getting involved in, and, and many of the time footing the bill. So to, for someone to suggest that there's, so many, there's 80 or 90 shows in Crown Heights, if that's the accurate number, and even if it's a little bit less, it's somewhere there. Um, that's dividing the community. They're just they, either they have a self-interest in everybody coming back to 770 so they can control people's minds, which with the internet it's impossible to do true. today, or or they're just out to lunch. And then you have, um, for example, a show like Beishmul that I I've been into for a kiddush once or twice, but I know that before Pesach they throw out, a, I mean they they dish out a six-digit figure of uh, of uh, of of stalker for Kim de Pischa, not for their people, for people in Crown Heights. So that's one, and then you know you have you have uh, many shows getting involved in these type of projects of helping uh, people out and kicking into high gear. For example, Atzala, Atzala had a fundraiser. Um, uh, they had that Shabbos Atzala thing. Right. So in, pretty much in every show, or at least if it wasn't done, it should really be done in every single show. An announcement, an appeal went out, and people donated. I mean, th- this is a, this is for a, a great community cause, and it was done by all of these communities within. The, I, I believe that this makes our community bigger and stronger. That's uh, again. I, I would <laughs> I would tend to agree with that, but you know I'm I, I'm biased as well. So it's good to hear it's it's good to hear that from from that perspective. Um, as the rabbi of a great shul, your your crowd is young. You're you know there you have you have you have bacharim, but I think at this point the majority of our shul is is married already, and so I'm at this point you're getting questions. You're getting you're getting asked for insight. For you're getting asked for advice about some of the issues that people are facing. What are some of the things that um, young people in our community are dealing with these days? Young, young couples, um, young unmarried people, people with people, y- young, young fathers, young mothers. So we'll start with the young couples. 
So I, I would like to, uh, to say that I'm not very old myself. So it's not like I'm, you know, 50, 60 years old that everybody's so young and I'm, 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 I can give you Zadie-like, sage-like advice. But I'm just a couple of years older than, uh, than, than, the, than you, than the guys in the show. But, uh, you know, for every once in a while you have the Shalom bias issue. Um, you know, someone got married, someone's getting, got married and it's, it, it didn't really kick off on the right foot or it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like the sea. It's stormy one day, it's nice the other day. So sometimes people need a little bit of insight with that. They want, uh, you know, a perspective, uh, a guidance, and, uh, you know, where to turn, what to do, what, what, what would be their best option. And I, I try mainly to listen, and, and if I have anything insightful, um, I will share it with them. And, uh, and most of the time it's just knowing where to forward them to, who, who, who's the right person to talk to, and where you can get help for, for, for that particular problem. Um, and then obviously Parnassa is something, you know, some people when they're getting married and they have a child or two, the bills start piling up, um, you know, so that's something that sits on everybody's mind. Housing in Crown Heights, you know, those that are married and, and now are expecting a child or have even one or two children, that one bedroom apartment's not enough in Crown Heights. As everybody knows, apartment hunting is really, really difficult. So that's something that people are, uh, are challenged with. And also some people have their uh, challenges, Baruchnius, which which, uh, you know, if they have a decision to make, should, you know, uh, how important is uh, is to keep this din or how important is it to keep this minhag or this? A din is obviously important. There's no, there's no, there's no crossing that line. But how is it, how important is it to keep the minhag or the chumrah and, and things like that? And for me, the hard part is to answer some of these questions because I am not, not in any way, shape or form on a higher spiritual ground than those that are talking to me. And sometimes not emotionally either. So I, I doubt that's true, but okay. but uh, I try. I you know you do your best. Um, you know, as for me, for me the 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 goal for me, and sometimes I fall short of it, is to be able to relate to to every single person that walks through the door of the show. Relate meaning how to understand what to they're understand going them to have to have some form of common ground to be able to have. A meaningful conversation, not just like, hi, good job, how was your week? Good? Okay, have a nice day, and then that's it. it, it to be able to have some sort of, of sprach, a language, with, the, with that person, that he should feel comfortable if he needs to. I don't want to be invasive at all. I don't want to put my nose where it doesn't belong, but if someone needs something, they should be able to, uh, to, to bring it up and, um, and talk about it. If the great show phenomenon keeps going, there's going to be more and more of a need for people like you, shul rabbis, to provide this level of guidance. I mean, I, that's a lot of people. Are there, are there enough people who are capable of, 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 of doing this kind of job? I believe there are, but uh, then again, every, every shul is looking for something else. You're looking for a specific person. Um, I know in our shul, for example, they didn't, there, there's a lot of people that, let's say, can learn a lot more than I can but they, they, they didn't want them for this particular, you know, it's how you relate to this crowd, how you can blend and mesh, and at the same time be people's friend, but at the same time garner a little bit of respect. And you have to be able to balance all that. It's not just about being, uh, you know, being learned or something like that. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't pass in halachas. I have no grounds to, I'm not allowed to, or pidin. You have to, you know, besides for having a, 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 a large knowledge, in of halacha and in an intricate knowledge of the, of the paiskim, you know, Torah based saisif and every sugya shulchan aruch, and you know, in the nice you also have to have shimush. You have to have done this right. by a rav, sit by a rav, and 
and be trained. So I don't have that, but I look so, at myself as a facilitator. But also, it doesn't feel like that particular role is what's necessary for this. Yes, uh, it's something that more, you know, there are, I know of one person in this neighborhood that's uh, it's about in his mid-30s, he happens to be a tremendous Talmud Chacham, two feet on the ground, down to earth, a real big Talmud Chacham, and a real Be'etzam Echzid Shayid. And I, I chastise him all the time how he because the knowledge he has he probably knows how to learn more than many rabbanim and I'm, I know I'm going to take slack for that but you can you can say, you can put that out there he mamish no I mean every time I asked him mashal like on the spot the sugya the gemara mafarshim the shulchan aruch but he doesn't have shimush and therefore he doesn't uh, want to paskin any shilas or anything like that and, um, and incidentally his father is a, is a big rab also so um, I push him all the time I tell him for you not to do that is a crime. There's people, people, young people in this neighborhood, they need a younger face, they need someone that they can... I, I hear all the time from people that there just aren't enough good Rabbanim. And a good, good obviously meaning someone who can, they can speak to, who knows the halacha, who, who, knows, who knows what people are going through, who can talk to there, them. There's a lot of people that know, there's a lot of Rabbanim, I mean most of the Rabbanim, if not all of them, know halacha, we're not right? You but know, there's, there's, whichever side there's, of the fence you're on, There's a lot of demand. There's a lot of demand. There's a lot of demand, but for example, I, I teach Hassan and we're going to get into that soon. And um, I have a chassan calling me up on a Friday, on a Friday that he has a shayla that was already given in by the rav, and and uh, he called him and he finally got hold of him an hour or two before Shabbos, and the rav was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not in town. You have to like somebody was home to give him back the shayla. I don't, you know, he barely got it to a rav before Shabbos, and most of the rabbanim in Crown Heights either weren't here or didn't pick up the phone, and one particular rav finally got through to and he answered his question. But um, so that that is, you know, we're not taking away from the ones that exist. They all have their milas and chesrones as human beings, but they're definitely uh, an approachable young, uh, halachically sound and and uh, down to earth uh, young man, a uh, young younger guy is, some, is definitely something that we need. Okay, so you mentioned chasen classes, so let's pivot to that. You uh, you give chasen classes. You've been doing it for how long? Um, I would say. About five or six years. Five or six years. So that's that's enough time and enough and enough uh, and enough clients, I think, to give a, a basic answer to this question. It's a broad one. Are young men today ready for marriage? It's a very broad question, and I don't think there's one right answer. I think it's a case by case basis. Um, some some are and some aren't, um, and that that's really individual based. I mean, obviously, you know, numbers. But do you believe that there is enough of them who aren't? That it's a it's an there issue. Are some, has to there are with. some that are not, and and that have um, the the wrong perception of what marriage is, either because of exposure to materials that they should have never been exposed to at a young age, and and that shaped their mind of what uh, of, of what marriage, uh, is, supposed of marriage like. is supposed to look like. and or you know some people are just not always so mature, so that could be something. And uh, some people you know had to overcome ha- have a difficult journey, and they had to overcome certain bumps in the road and they're just not holding there yet so but there are plenty of young men in this neighborhood that are that are ready for marriage what is what does ready for marriage mean though in 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 your mind listen rabbis machshavis belavish and ultimately the abishter's plan is gonna is gonna prevail but it's somebody that that has purpose somebody that wakes up in the morning with a purpose he has goals he, he's looking forward to accomplish something, and he wants to build a home, and he wants to, and he wants to, to raise a family. That, that's a very general outline, but that's somebody that's ready to get married. That's somebody that, that has responsibilities. He has something to wake up for. He has to, you know, either whether he owns a business or he's working in a business, but responsibilities he has. He knows, you know, he's been around. He knows what, and, and 
knows what responsibility is, and, and you're ready to get married. There's no... What about on an, on an emotional level, meaning able to, you know, emotionally be there for, for, for a wife? Again, that's, that would go, you know, person by person. But I think most people have the emotional capacity. Unless, again, somebody that had, uh, you know, some, uh, 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 an emotional crisis or a trauma when they were younger and it's untreated, it is a problem and it will affect his relationship with his wife. There's no doubt about it. Um, but for, for people that didn't have that, so if somebody did and it was treated, he could still have a very good marriage. And, um, and somebody, and, and, and many people don't have an emotional crisis or trauma, you know, lur lurking in the background, and they, and they could be there emotionally for their wives. Um, you know, my, I do believe that for the most part, most marriages are, are, are decent. You know, and I don't have a good gauge to measure this, but right. I, I hear feedback from, from the Khsanim. Now, I'll let you in on something that, you know, there's, there's, there's this discussion when you teach a Khasan or a Kala teacher teaches a Kala, do you follow up? Right? So, uh, right. you know, seven days after the wedding, are you going to, you know, the Kala teacher, is she going to call the Kala and be like, hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Did everything work out? You know, or 30 days later or, or three months later. So some Kala teachers I know are very firm about that. And they have a point. Their point is that some people are shy. Some people are not going to come forward. You know, we, we learn Laya Baish and Lamed, but some people are shy and they won't come forward with a problem. So they say, let's nip it in the bud. Like it says in the Agada by the Enei De Elisha, by the child that doesn't know how to ask, at Sometimes you have to create an opening. You have to. You have. You have to start. You have initiate. To yeah. So, and they feel that if you initiate, um, and, and they have successfully um, thwarted problems that way, to their credit, to their credit. And then there's the other perspective, which is, I don't want to be invasive because if everything is going well, imagine you know you just got married and things are doing well, Baruch Hashem. And I call you up, I mean, assuming that I'm going to do chasen classes as usual, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, that's already up to you. It's all about the, it's all about the client, right? When, when, when you need a deposit. <laughs> no, let uh, Mirza Shem, let's get, get engaged and we can cross that bridge. Mirza <laughs> So the bottom line is uh, there's another perspective, which is don't be invasive. You know, I, I told you what I know. I told you what I feel you should know. And... If I don't hear from you, I assume things are going well. No news is good news. No news is good news. Now, the mile of that is that if things are going well, and I drop a call to you a month or two later, and I'm like, hey, how's everything going? How's your intimate life? How's this? How's that? And you're going to look at me like, who, are you mad? Are you, are you normal? <laughs> I can get that reaction. And, but on the other hand, you could also be saving somebody's marriage if it comes to that. So um, I prefer the, the latter. I prefer to mix out, and I, but I do tell them, during in, in the last class that I and I and I mentioned this to the Khsanim and I say I'm not the, the, the guy that's gonna come knocking on your door a month, three months, six months into marriage and you don't have to come interview with me again and talk to me. <laughs> I'm not gonna do any of that. There's, there's however no, I'm no, telling no you exactly however I'm telling you that as a as a young mature person that's ready to get married, Laya Baishan Lamid if you need help and you're not gonna get help, the problem is just gonna get bigger, they're not gonna go away. And if you feel that I can help you at any time, in any day, anywhere, and no matter what it is, call me. Many of the time, I don't have the answers to it. But I view myself as a facilitator. I, I may know. A, you know who to call. I know you know the lady here, the guy here that can call and help you out. Okay. Obviously, chasen classes, and I, you know, like I said, I, ha I haven't taken one yet, but I understand that it covers a lot of different topics. But the biggie, obviously, is intimacy. That's that's the you know that's the that's the, that's the whole point. At this point, do you find that 
when you, the, the people that you're teaching, they already have preconceived notions? Absolutely. And is that a problem? It, it, it's some, uh, uh, yes, it is. Um, listen, we live in a, in a generation where information is at, is at the palm of your hand. Um, and, and kids at, as early, at, it would, before 10 years old sometimes, depending on which home they're from and, and how strict the, the rules are from the parents. Often that's just by chance. But often that's just by, and even with friends. parents who are very strict, they have friends, they have access when they're not home and when the parents are not home and, you know, there's a device that's snuck into the home until you find it. So, you know, that's why raising kids, you know, you have to obviously be, be conscious and alert. And you have to think about Chinuch for 30 minutes a day, like, the, like that Hayyam Yoyim from the Rebbe Rashab. It's, it's a chayva, it's an obligation, at least 30 minutes. And, um, and you need a lot of siyata dishmaya. But a lot of children, I'm talking like 11, 12, 13, 14 already, which is too young, way too young for this, but they're getting exposed to, um, to images and videos that they should not be getting exposed to, and, they, and, they, or, and or they read novels even, and they have a very distorted... Uh, a view and concept of what love, of what love is, and what relationships should be, and it, and it definitely has an effect, even on uh, uh, growing up, even if you're 20 plus years old and ready to get married, 100 percent. Because you're you're getting someone in your class, let's say they're 24 years old, 25 years old, mm-hmm. for 15 years, for 14 years, they've been absorbing a non-Torah narrative about all this. Correct, and That's a very detrimental. Not only non-Torah, detrimental. Detrimental narrative. Even so, even for someone who's completely secular, like so, for example, some of these videos that that are that are that are that Bachram watch and and young and young kids are watching, are detrimental to the ten year old that's growing up in in Texas somewhere that that that's not a yid. You shouldn't be watching it. It can't help. But uh, you know this is this is the that information's out there. So so that being the case, do you believe? I mean, there's only so much you can do when someone has when someone sits in your class. After 15 years of absorbing that message, that story, isn't it time that we got there first? It's definitely. A, I guess I'll ask it differently. It, it, How much easier would it make your job if someone started telling the story that you tell people who are sitting in your class when they were nine or ten years old? Um, it definitely it could help. I don't know if it would make it easier because at the end of the day, you know, the, the stuff is appealing. It's a taiva, you know, like it says, "Chitaiva hula It's a taiva to the eyes and. Uh, you know, if a taiva frekman is concussion, we don't have to, I mean, why young men have taivas to see different images and different videos, we don't have to explain that here. Um, so it, it, this problem would still exist regardless if we put it into our school system um, at, you know, for at, at 12, 11, 12, 13 years old in, 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 through the scope and lens of Torah. However, is it something that we, that should we throw in the towel and not do it? It's a thought-provoking idea and it's something that you need to get the minds of uh, great educators, uh, rabbanim, paiskim, halachic authorities, to make sure that it's halachically sound. Of course. And you need to get educators and psychologists, and they all need to be sitting in one room and outlining this. And if perhaps, you know, you get a summer or retreat where they, these people are sitting for a couple of days and, and, and working for that same task and making a curriculum, you know, for 11, 12, 13, and, you know, going through yeshiva, this thing could be a phenomenal idea. But uh, but then again, I don't have the the layout for that, and I don't, and, and I'm not the one to say that we should or shouldn't do it. But just to give you a little example of uh, of of perspective of, of how of how a child uh, hears something. I used to teach eighth grade in a in a local yeshiva here in Crown Heights, and uh, we went on a uh, grand trip at the end of the year, and we had a small class of about uh, fifteen talmidim, 
and I rented a Sprinter. Uh, like I don't know, it's a, I think it's a Ford, but it's a, it's a large van. It can fit 15, 20 people comfortably, and we, we took barbecue with stuff with us, and it was a nice day. And um, as we're heading to wherever we were going, um, waiting at the red light on the corner, and there was a, a man and a, and a woman on the corner, and they were, they were kissing each other. And obviously the kids took notice. I didn't say anything, but the kids took notice, and they started talking about it. And, you know, some, you know the more immature ones were, like, giggling, and like, uh, you know, look what they're doing. And the more mature ones were, you know, like, you guys are such babies, come on, you know. And, um, and uh, they asked me what I think about it. And I was thrown off. I was thinking that if I'm not gonna, if I'm gonna give it too much attention, I'm, they're just gonna dwell on it the whole time. So I figured I'm gonna deflect it. But now they want to know what I think about what just happened. So I told them I need a few minutes to think. I don't have a clear answer. And uh, and you know I continued driving, and they carried on to whatever they were doing. And and a few minutes into my uh, in, into the drive, I, I dive into Abish. I actually t- I remember saying just open up my, you know, my mind and give me something, something tangible to say. And I told them that what they did was a beautiful thing, but they did it in a very disgusting way. For when someone gets married, it's a very beautiful thing for a husband to kiss his wife. But it should be done within the confines of your home, of your room. It's a, in a private setting, in a modest setting. And, and that could be very romantic and very beautiful. And in fact, a, a, a husband is supposed to give his wife some, you know, this type of attention. It's a, it's a good it's thing. It's supposed to be affection. It's supposed to be affection. I didn't get into, I didn't say that to them, but I said the, the, the concept of a husband and wife displaying affection to one another is a beautiful, beautiful thing. However, the manner in which they did it out in the public street, that's disgusting. And, um, and they accepted that answer. They understood it and the conversation, and, and they just walked away from it. Like, it, it satisfied their 13, 14-year-old curious minds, and we moved on. It was, apparently, it was the right answer. Um, you know, we that, def- that sounds like the kind of thing that uh, the story like that, a message like that, that sounds like the beginning of helping children understand this thing that, that they're going to discover on their own otherwise. And unfortunately they're discovering from the wrong sources. hundred percent. But then again, this is such a delicate manner that it really has to, it's like a malachas machshavis. You would have to have the 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 great the great educators, halachic authorities, and psychologists, and and you know all in the same room brainstorming to the same goal to be able to package this with the, in in a from tyrannical way. Okay. Rabbi Hershkep, thank you so much for your time. I really really appreciate it. And Hatzlach uh, Rabba, everything you do. Thank you. The pleasure was mine, and uh, thank you for having me. Thank you again, to Rabbi Hershkep, for stopping by. I thought it was a fascinating conversation, and I hope you did as well. If you did and you have something, uh, if you have a response to share, if you have something you'd like to say, uh, please send it to us. Please uh, write to us uh, via email or share a voice note with us via email like we discussed at the top of the show. Um, or you can comment on the website itself, uh, ChabadPulse.com. Every uh, podcast episode is an article with a comment section where you can comment. And uh, we hope to grow a productive, pleasant commenting community there. Um, excited to announce that next episode is going to feature Rabbi Manus Friedman. And uh, we have a conversation that continues on some of the things that we discussed today. Uh, We hope you join us for that. We hope you'll enjoy that. Thanks for listening, and let's keep this conversation going. 